This is uh, Explain It, and uh, for Trinity 14, and the gospel lesson is Luke chapter 17. So, um, sin, as we know it from the scriptures, it, um, it does really two things, probably more than that, but these two will focus from the gospel lesson. It corrupts, and it, uh, it separates. So if you think of it as God's creation is beautiful and good, and at the end of the creation, God looked at everything and said, it's just not good, but it's very good. Well, the devil comes, and he can never create anything, uh, but he can only corrupt God's creation, and he does so with the, the fall into sin. Um, but he also does something, which is he separates. So he separates in the garden then um, man and woman from each other. They start blaming each other, separates um, them from God. Um, they're hiding. Uh, the, the, the whole creation is at odds with one another. And so this is the result of sin, and perhaps you, you see it in our world right now. Uh, our world uh, is not as how God made it in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. It is corrupted, and we are separated not only from God, but from one another. But God is about the business of recreating and uh, reconciling. That means uh, you know to bring us bring us back to himself, and to bring us back uh, in relationship with one another as well. So the leper's cry in the Gospels uh, is uh, unclean, and they'd have to shout this from a distance uh, so that no one could come and touch them, and then they would be unclean. And so they cry out, unclean, and un unclean, unclean. And along with that would be the beggar's cry, uh, have mercy, uh, specifically, Lord, have mercy. And so in Mark chapter 7, um, the, 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 Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen uh, to me, everyone understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And so there was this, this um, hyper-vigilance and um, diligent life to try and keep all of the ceremonial washings so that outwardly you could stay clean. But Jesus comes and says, let's, let's deal with the root issue here. It's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, but rather it's what comes out of a man. And he says, they don't understand this. And he says, well, are you so dull? I mean, isn't that quite a, kind of great, quite and, uh, rather, um, right to the point. Are you so dull? Um, he says, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, he gets to the root issue, out of men's hearts, a corrupted heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So um, you don't need to be a leper now in Jesus, uh, from Jesus' perspective to cry out unclean. You just have to recognize the corruption of, of your heart. And then to cry out uh, along with lepers, uh, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. So we are by nature then, Jesus uh, not just speaks in physical ways about being unclean, or spirit, um, physical ways about being blind and deaf and mute and lame, leprous or dead. There's always this, um, this added understanding of the true 
spiritual blindness and this and this true spiritual um, you know being deaf and mute and lame and leprous and dead and in fact leprosy is this this vivid picture of a spiritual disease you know it spreads and it uh, kills off and it separates um, but this is uh, spiritually Jesus uh, describing all of our lives as being this blind to God deaf to his voice our mouths are shut to his praise we can't get ourselves to God because we're spiritually paralyzed we're leprous full of disease that spreads and eats away and literally spiritually dead so Galatians 5 speaks of these acts of the sinful nature and he says they're obvious just as leprosy would be obvious he says you look at these and you'd come to the conclusion uh, that there is this disease, this, this spreading uh, of corruption in the body. He says it's obvious. Sexual morality, purity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They live like that. You, you you call out. You need to call out that you're unclean, and unless you're brought near, uh, unless you're cleansed and healed by uh, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus, uh, it says you stand on the outside, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Jesus, good news, right? If the devil comes and he wants to corrupt and separate, Jesus comes to recreate and uh, to reconcile to bring us. Um, close to God, near to God, and also to one another. So the miracles of Jesus, as we see them in the Gospels, they do show us his power over the natural realm, but they go far beyond that. Uh, he's also dealing here with the root causes, sin and death and the devil. Uh, so he's just not dealing with the body, but also uh, the soul, and not just the natural healings, the, the far greater, um, the, the giving of, of an enlightened eye and heart to we who are darkened in our understanding, uh, the opening of our mouth in praise, um, the, the literally being resurrected spiritually from, from the dead. So Jesus not only um, recreates, but he reconciles. So it's not a fair fight, really. The devil is in for it, right? He, he tries to corrupt and separate, but, um, but Christ uh, beats him at this, and he is about recreating and reconciling. So the common thought uh, during this day, and you'll pick this up in the, um, in the gospel readings as well, the common thought was that if you had some type of human malady, that there was a direct correlation to some type of punishment from God. Uh, you see it in John chapter 9, where uh, Jesus goes along and um, saw a man blind from birth, and the disciples come to him and say, Rabbi, so tell me, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're trying to figure out, um, what's the cause of this? Uh, and in their mind, the thought was connected that if you were born blind, then there must have been some sin committed. Either your parents did it or you did it uh, in, your, in your womb. And, and Jesus says, neither. This happens so that the Son of Man may be glorified. 
but we like to connect in our mind, right? This this cause and effect, and I think it's more out of a um, a personal uh, feeling that you know, if I can find out the reason that bad things happen, then I can maybe stay away from those things, and it won't happen to me. So this is what's going on in Luke uh, chapter seventeen with the lepers. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And the text says he's he's traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he is going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. So these 10 men know the stories of the Old Testament. And in their mind, uh, perhaps they've equated uh, this leprosy with this, uh, this punishment and wrath of God. So they know the stories about Miriam in Numbers chapter 12 and her rebellion and leprosy and, and Joab and in 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman, and then, uh, you know, the, the selfish uh, servant of, of the prophet tries to go back and uh, kind of get the, extort the uh, the goods out of Naaman and, and, uh, and then he gets the leprosy for his rebellion and Uzziah. So there's this, this idea that if you have leprosy, there was something that you had done. Um. But what, what we have here is uh, Jesus looking at these 10 men, and these 10 men who had leprosy ran to meet him. And note there, they had to stand at a distance again because they're unclean. And uh, so they must be calling out in this loud voice, and they, they cry out um, this phrase, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And maybe that's just the words we need uh, you know, this day. We stand at a distance. We are leprous uh, in our in our souls, in our spirits. This maybe a sin is eating away at us, and we're calling out in a loud voice, "Jesus, Master, have pity on us." Jesus, the, the word means you know the one who saves. Uh, master means well the one who can rule and reign. Over things, and then you feel, you feel well. If he's strong and he can rule and reign, and if he can save, then I'm going to ask him to have pity, have pity on us. You hear this in the Psalms, you know this this tracing of it. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Uh, Psalms uh, are full of this uh, this lament and this cry. Here's a couple of examples. Psalm six, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. Psalm 130, out of, the, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I mean, this is the, the leper's cry. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Psalm 50, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And then Isaiah the prophet, chapter 65. Before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. And so um, what a great phrase for us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So declared clean or unclean. So they're, they're standing at a distance, and um, Jesus sees them, and he says to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so this is uh, the Old Testament understanding that if you had leprosy and you were to be, be cleansed of it, you were to go to the priest 
Leviticus uh, 13 in chapter 14 says, when anyone has swelling or a rash or a bright spot on his skin that may become an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. Now, if Jesus is the great high priest, um, as Hebrews would uh, tell us, now we have this wonderful uh, approaching uh, the great high priest, Jesus, um, before the Father. So Hebrews 2 says, both the one who makes men holy, well, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, well, that's us. We don't, don't make ourselves holy, but it is Jesus who makes us holy. He puts on us uh, his righteousness and cleanses us. So both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So again, um, the Lord Jesus beats the devil here. Not only just the corruption is taken care of, um, but also uh, the separation. So it says there that Jesus is not ashamed to call us now his brothers. He brings us close to himself, and then he brings us close to the Father as a great high priest. And we then stand before the Father, uh, not leprous in our sin, but rather, um, it's as if Jesus takes on the leprosy himself, and then removes it from us, and then pays the wage for it at the cross, and rises again, uh, has victory over it, and then he freely cleanses and dispenses this grace and... and um, makes us holy, and with that, we are reconciled to God and to one another. Now, all ten are healed. That's what the story says. So, one of them, uh, along the way, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and the text goes out of the way to say he was a Samaritan. So, uh, in previous uh, gospel lessons, we talked about Samaritans, especially the, the good Samaritan or the, the woman sitting at the well who was a Samaritan. And there is this disdain and despising of the Samaritans, right? The half-breeds and good Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. And um, there's this one who came back and the text goes out of its way to designate this one as a Samaritan. And so Jesus asked the Samaritan, so we're not all ten cleansed, so where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, I think there's something going on here with um, uh, the religious establishment. And uh, so you have the nine, nine Jews who stayed. They were healed and cleansed. They went to the priest. You have the one Samaritan who is cleansed and shows himself to the priest, but also uh, returns. Now, why perhaps did the nine others not? Well, I think that it was floating around, and we see it from other gospel readings, that the opinion of the Jewish uh, religious elite, with their rules and their regulations, their washings and their cleansing, um, uh, took offense at the teaching of Jesus when he says, well, Nothing that goes into you makes you makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean. So they take offense to things like this because Jesus is calling them, you know, out on their their spiritual whitewashed tombs. So in John chapter eight, the Jews uh, speak of Jesus this way. They say, "Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you're demon possessed?" All right. Well, 
you see how the slurs go, right? You're a Samaritan and you're possessed by demons. Demons. Uh, John 9, some of the Pharisees said, well, this man cannot be from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. So there's the traditions, right? The, the rules and the regulations, thinking that by doing those you make yourself clean. He says, well, he doesn't keep the Sabbath, but others ask, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And so they were divided. So this is really devil's work. Um, the devil's work is the devil loves to take away glory from the Father. So we have 10 lepers who are crying out unclean, and this man Jesus tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests and they're healed. So who should the glory go to? Well, the religious establishment can't bring themselves to even think that Jesus might be the promised Messiah. You're a Samaritan, you're demon-possessed. So the devil loves to take the glory away from the Father. The devil loves to lie about the person and work of the Son. Well, he can't be the Son of God. Um, you know, he's demon-possessed. He's a sinner. How can sinners do these types of things the crowd asks? And they say, no, he's a sinner. He doesn't keep, he doesn't keep the traditions. The devil lies about the person and work of Jesus. And the devil loves to hinder and loves to block the means uh, by which the Holy Spirit uses to show us Jesus. But this man, this one man, this Samaritan goes, and I think uh, there is this, uh, this sense of grace that goes along with gratitude. Um, he's received grace, and when you receive grace, the, you know, the response is gratitude. You could you put it two ways with these words. If you just think, if you think about how gracious God has been, what should then the response be? Um, thanksgiving. And this is what the meaning of the first article of the Apostle, Apostles' Creed helps us with. It begins with, I believe. Now, again, we'll say this, that it's easy to say, I believe, all of these things when everything's going well when your body's strong and healthy and your your mind is sharp um, and uh, you have clothing and no worries about uh, employment, um, no worries about um, support for body and life, uh, you know, things are uh, protected around you, you sense God's hedge, you know, the angels around you. Uh, however, when you're in the middle of it and uh, you are... Um, struggling with the daily bread of life, uh, yet the Holy Spirit gives us faith to declare it. So it goes like this, I believe that God has made me and all creatures that he's given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, all my members, my reason, all my senses, and still preserves them. And he also gives me clothing and shoes, and food and drink, and house and home, and wife and children, land, animals, and all I have, he richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. And all this he does only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to do what? To thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Uh, Luther, in his meaning to one of the commandments, the first commandment and the large catechism, put it this way. He said, uh, 
We are to trust in God alone and look to him and expect from him nothing but good. As from one who gives us body, life, food, drink, nourishment, health, protection, peace, and all necessities of both temporal and eternal things. He also preserves us from misfortune, and if any evil befall us, he delivers and rescues us. So it is God alone, as has been said well enough, from whom we receive all good and by whom we are delivered from all evil. They stood at a distance, the text says, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So I don't know what your situation you know, might be, uh, but I think that's applicable for every day, isn't it? We, we stand at a distance realizing our separation from God, the corruption of our bodies and world because of sin. And here is this Jesus who comes to recreate and reconcile and he invites us to call out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And he does. He gives us all good and gracious gifts. <laughs>